a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. So we're on day 19 of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and we will keep you up to date on all the latest developments there as we go through the next two hours, including the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints donating $4 million, uh, to help refugees in Europe. So we'll continue to follow that uh, press conference uh, from the White House as well, uh, along with updates in terms of negotiations, what's happening in uh, the Capitol back in Washington, D.C., and uh, many of those uh, conversations, including dealing with the, the refugees and how that continues forward. We'll stay up to date on all of that. And while many wonder about the future of freedom abroad in Ukraine, A prominent Supreme Court justice was actually in Utah last Friday, wondering aloud about the future of freedom here at home in America. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Last Friday, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas was in Salt Lake City as part of uh, an event with the Orangey Hatch Foundation, a uh, wonderful event, and he spoke. And if you know Justice Thomas, uh, he does not speak a lot from the bench. Uh, He can go years without asking a question or making a statement from the bench in in oral arguments. Uh, His writing is prolific. Uh, And he had a few things to say. Uh, He had a few things on his mind. It was an interesting conversation. It was actually a uh, really was a conversation between uh, Justice Thomas and Utah Supreme Court Justice Thomas Lee. Uh, who is uh, retiring soon, but who was a law clerk uh, for Justice Thomas on the Supreme Court. So they have a a great connection there here in the Beehive State. And so it was a conversation between two justices. And it was really interesting to see where that conversation went, what was on Justice Thomas's mind and how it plays into everything going on. And, of course, uh, the justice has to be careful of steering clear of anything that might be on his slate in terms of... uh, things that might appear before the Supreme Court. Uh, But the conversation was fascinating. It was a chance for the justice to tell his story. If you don't know uh, his backstory, you know, growing up in the South, in Georgia, uh, his uh, grandparents uh, had such a profound influence on him, uh, really came out of that poverty and uh, not many generations back uh, to uh, slavery and sharecropping and uh, his moving forward. And he talked about some things that, that were really striking to me in terms of where we are 
over the course of this event. Again, this was with the uh, Orangey Hatch Foundation. Uh, actually, something that had been scheduled back before the pandemic. Uh, so it had been postponed a little while until uh, he could actually come out here. And a couple of things that yeah you learn about Justice Thomas is is just how down to earth he is and how grounded he is in principle. Uh, one of the things that he spoke about at length was character and why character mattered. And if we couldn't get back to conversations about character in the country, uh, that we really would have some problems. And you could see him thinking through uh, a lot of the things that were experienced. He, he talked a lot about uh, cancel culture and uh, civil conversations, elevated conversations. He talked about learning uh, how to do that uh, in the South. And in his community, he said we were always united by God and country. Like that was just a given. And uh, he went back to that a number of times over the course of the evening and and talked about how important that was. And he talked about going on campuses around the country and how so often it hasn't become a a free space for ideas to be bounced around and explored and examined and debated. Uh, but it's become more about conformity uh, and this very narrow view of right and wrong answers and what that is. And it's more about what was a, an acceptable answer as opposed to the truth or was the right answer. Uh, it, it becomes a conformable answer. And, and that's an interesting challenge, I think, uh, in higher learning. Are we, are we just uh, self-defining what's okay to talk about? Do we become so conditioned? It's like, oh, I'm not going to talk about that. Not going to open that can of worms. And so in some ways, we end up self-censoring by what we think is acceptable. And that's not good for, for freedom. That's not good for the republic. That's not good for the state of democratic institutions at all. When we become so narrow in what is acceptable, uh, that, that really becomes a, a problem. Because if we're, if we're afraid that we're going to be canceled... Uh, because of what we think or because we have a certain idea, uh, that's part of the problem. And one of the things that, that Justice Thomas uh, pointed out, he talked about uh, these nuns. Of course, he went to Catholic school growing up and is, is a practicing Catholic. And uh, I know he practices his faith as a Catholic because when I was a chief of staff, uh, I saw the result of that. Almost every single day I was in Washington, D.C. Uh, I had a, uh, a little flat over a garage a couple blocks behind the United States Supreme Court. So I would walk into the office every morning. And as I would walk in to the office early morning, without fail, I would see Justice Thomas walking out of the little church there that's just right by the Senate Hart Building. Uh, after he had attended morning mass and he was walking to the Supreme Court and we would pass each other at the crosswalk and that was always a, a an inspiring thing to me it made me think well you know I'm I'm glad I'm glad I have somebody walking over to the Supreme Court today uh, who has just spent some time in prayer and humility in fact one of the things that was noted uh, by several of those who who spoke and who introduced Justice Thomas uh, was something that he has had on his desk uh, for the entire time he's been at the Supreme Court, and that is actually the the litany of humility. If you've if you've never read that, you should do that today. 
and I don't care what you profess to believe or don't believe, everybody should read that. Uh, I'll give you a little. I'll give you a little flavor. Uh, it's about getting rid of the desire for being esteemed, for being loved, for being sought, uh, being honored, being praised, being preferred, uh, free from the desire of being consulted or approved or considered. Uh, the fear, being free from the fear of uh, of being humbled or rebuffed or forgotten or ridiculed, uh, that others. Uh, may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that others may grow in the opinion of the world and I diminish, that others be employed and I set aside, that others may be praised and I forgotten, that others may be more holy than I, provided I am as holy as I can be. Uh, it's it's a great it's a great thing. We all should read that in the morning. Uh, that is a great way to begin the day. And the fact that Justice Thomas had that under the glass uh, and on his desk every day uh, to me said a lot about his approach. And his approach to the bench, of course, is not uh, a lot of grandstanding, a lot of speaking, because he rarely speaks from the the bench. He thinks his job is to listen uh, and to learn, to observe. And then very rarely, on occasion, he'll ask a clarifying question. Uh, but that's a very small part of it. So as, as he spoke on Friday night, again, this was an event with the Orangey Hatch Foundation, uh, he talked about uh, why he still has such great confidence in our country. And you may not know that as soon as the Supreme Court uh, finishes its term every year in June, uh, the next day, Justice Thomas and his wife jump into their RV and they travel the country, uh, often stopping up parks and trailer parks. And he described all of this uh, in just a very funny fashion. But he talked about the people that he meets there that are real America, that are the real people. And he listens to their real concerns in terms of what's going on. Uh, Justice Thomas also uh, pointed out so clearly uh, why it's vital for us uh, to have restraint, to focus on character, and, and to recognize what unites us uh, as Americans. He said civility is important and seems to be less of a virtue than it used to be. When we were asked what we have in common, we used to say God and country, truth, justice, and the American way. Now, cancel culture has made it uh, a thing to disparage the country. And the very principles that helped us become the great country we are, uh, where are they now? And do we have those in common anymore? And that's where we need to get our conversation. That's where we need to, to move. And if we can be humble enough and teachable enough, uh, we can get inspired enough uh, by... Our founding documents says that's where the answers are and that's where we get authority to do things or not do things to be restrained uh, it was a fascinating conversation but great insight uh, really landing on what he kept coming back to justice thomas kept talking about character and if we won't develop that and put that first in the country uh, we won't have a country that will really last in the end Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? 
I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.